0: Christmas is full of stretching your faith. Everything from believing that a woman has a child without any kind of physical relationship with a man, that stretches your faith. Because every one of us here have a daddy. But Jesus had no earthly father. You say, well, he had Joseph. Joseph was not his father. Joseph was the man that God chose to raise his son. What about that? I sometimes call him the forgotten man of Christmas. I sometimes preach about him and what great faith he must have had. Great faith. The Christmas season is upon us. We've preached three messages so far about Christ and Christmas to the world some rejoice with us in moderation because they kind of go along with the religiosity of what Christmas is about. There are some that get downright angry that we give so much attention to a religious-related event. And uh, there are many, in fact, they're almost in the majority now, of folks that really don't want you to mention the biblical account or anything they would prefer that it would be a a social event, that it was more about tradition and family gatherings and buying of gifts and old Saint Nick and the sleigh ride the night before Christmas and Charles Dickens' uh, different versions of uh, the Christmas story. But for the child of God, there is no other recourse but to rejoice at the passages that are contained in the Scriptures, the passages that talk to us about God's greatest gift to this world, to every person in this world, to we which are saved. Christmas is a time to celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus into the world. It's time to worship and remember and thank God for His unspeakable gift Even though scoffers would say to us, I choose not to believe something that is so impossible as a virgin birth. In our articles of our Declaration of Faith, there is one thing that is mentioned very astutely. We believe in the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus, that he was born of the Virgin Mary. Without that one, foundational principle you just can't make everything else work nothing else in religion makes sense if you don't accept the virgin birth the virgin birth is so important in fact christianity won't work without the virgin birth for if jesus birth was an ordinary common birth then his life then is nothing different from any one of ours But because his birth is different and his birth is unique in that it is one of a kind, it is right that we should preach about that today and help us to understand the doctrinal things about Christ's birth that we should rejoice about and that we should really praise and worship during this specific time. There's one great theologian that made the statement he said things that i cannot understand i just leave laying on the table and i don't ever deal with them well now that's a chicken way out i'm not going to leave something laying on the table as important as the virgin birth simply because it requires faith on my part to believe that and uh, another would say well i I don't believe in uh, that jesus was born of the virgin mary because biologically it's not possible i I sat one time in an audience and when i was doing my degree work and I, i heard a professor make this statement he said i am not going to insult your intelligence by asking you to believe in a virgin birth and he said nor am i going to really say that a gory scene like Calvary is necessary for salvation of our souls. And at risk of uh, getting chastised, I, I said, Sir, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What other name is there for salvation other than the name of Jesus? For there is no other way and there is no other name. But through Jesus, we could have salvation and we could find redemption for the sin in our life. Only through Jesus. And there is a, back during the Protestant Reformation, there was a, a saying that was sola scriptura. And it means scripture only. Sola scriptura. And that, that means nothing but the Bible. Tell me what the Bible says. Don't tell me what your philosophy is and what's impossible tell me what the Bible says because if the Bible asks me to believe something that is unbelievable in my nature then that requires faith for me to believe that it's so what do you believe Noah built an ark yes I believe Noah built an ark do you believe in the global flood yes I believe in a global flood well you know that's not possible don't you well with man what did the angel say to Mary you're going to have a, a, a baby, and you'll never know a man. That The Holy Spirit will move upon you, and you will conceive of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said, Mary said, For with man it is impossible, but with God nothing shall be impossible. What happened? Her faith got stretched to the point that she believed what the angels said to her, and she obeyed. She did what God said for her to do. You see, that's a great lesson for us. If we don't understand it, don't leave it laying on the table and ignore it as if it doesn't. The Bible said the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all the truth. There is no need. In fact, one of the writers said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning these things. Concerning the Lord coming back, concerning a resurrection of the dead. I I would not have you to be ignorant concerning all of those things. Though it requires faith to believe that, and it requires hope to believe that, don't leave it laying on the table. Preach it and teach it because it's scriptura sola. It is scripture. It is what God says. It is what we base all of our belief system upon. You see, faith is nothing else but obedience to the word of God that's what faith is in other words if God says it then do it and faith is a positive response it's what Abraham did when God said go to a country I will show you get up and go to another land and the Bible said the fourth verse of Genesis 12 so Abram departed what does that mean? God said get up and go so he got up and went you see, when what you say is what God says, and when you believe God and you accept Scripture as truth, absolute truth, then you can have a relationship with God. You see, there's, I don't know how people who deny the virgin birth can have a relationship with God. Because the relationship we have with God is based upon the shed blood of Jesus. And if there is no virgin birth, then his blood is just like our blood and it cleanses no one from sin. His blood is unique in that man was never involved in that equation. Man was never brought into that situation. But in every instance that God ever deals with us, he always gives us the truth and gives us a way and gives us a a time to respond. You see, when a message is preached, that's a very critical time. Very critical. Every Sunday when we hear God's word, it's very critical. Because every message from scripture puts us at the crossroads. And a choice has got to be made. With all the questions that were asked about Jesus, one question was, what will you do with Jesus? Every sermon that is preached has a question to it. What will you do with Jesus? Every time that you open Scripture and you expose it from the Scriptures, then a decision has to be made. What am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do? Because He is the Word of God. The Bible said His pre-incarnate name was the Word of God. John 1 and 1. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Whew. The pre-existent, Name for Jesus is the word of God. The word of God. The 14th verse of John 1 says, "And the word was made flesh." Was made flesh just like every one of us. Flesh and bone, flesh and blood, just like us. He was made in the likeness of sinful man. He is the creator who became the create the creature, the creation. For every one of us, the fact that Jesus came into this world as God, Emmanuel, what does that mean? God with us. The fact that God is with us in the person of the Lord Jesus, and who was it that said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will go with you all the way even to the end of the world. Who said that? Jesus. If Jesus is God, then God has said to you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never bail on you. I will never turn my back and walk away from you. Praise God. Isn't that powerful? That he came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. But when the fullness of time was come, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. 1 through 4. When the fullness of time was come, the verse 4 says, God sent His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. God sent His Son, made of a woman. That's a strange grouping of words, isn't it? God sent His Son made of a woman. Why was it put that way? Why, was it, why did it leave man completely out of it? Why was it just made of a woman? You have to go back to the, what we call the Proto-Evangelium, which is the third chapter of Genesis in 15th verse. It is what is called the rite of first mention. It is the first time that Jesus is mentioned in the Bible. is Genesis 3.15. And it involves a conversation between God and the serpent. You mean God talks to the devil? Yes, he does. What does he say to the devil? Usually something positive about you because the devil is the accuser of the brethren when he comes before god he's got a purpose and it's to accuse you and blame you and criticize you and throw down on you the bible said if any man sin i write these things unto you that ye sin not but if any man does sin he has an advocate he has a mediator Jesus Christ the righteous. So when the accuser comes into God's throne room of grace, hurling his disputing and hurling all of his slanderous lies about you, Jesus stands up and says to the Father, I object. All of that's unrelated. All of that has nothing to do with my relationship with God now. Because I have met, I have met the Lord Jesus. And when Jesus says, I have met Jerry, I have done something for Jerry. I I raised him up from death and from no existence at all to make him alive in Christ. So no matter what the devil brings against you, a railing accusation the Bible calls it anytime he brings that to God Jesus stands up for you and says I object on the basis that my blood has already taken care of every accusation against her or him I object to that on the basis that what I did at Calvary's cross paid the penalty once and for all for the sin of the whole world it's a done deal it's over with it's finished And I love that scripture in Colossians 1 that says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son for the law that was contained in ordinances, the law that was contained in all kinds of prohibitions, the law that was contained in all of the meandering of the Old Testament and the ritual and the sacrifice and the Levitical system and the tabernacle worship, all of that was a schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus. Wow. In other words, the value of the Old Testament is to inform us When Jesus came, He came to redeem us. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He was made of a woman, but He was made under the law. God sent His Son made of a woman and made under the law. Now what that tells us is that when the... Angel said to Mary, you're going to have a a son. You're going to have a child. You're going to bring a life into the world. And she said, how can these things be seeing that I have never known a man? I have never known a man. Well, God did some pretty extraordinary births in his word. First we come upon Abraham and Sarah. And the Bible said she was 90 years old now. And an angel came one day to the tent and said to Abraham, about this time next year, you're going to have a baby. Sarah is going to have a child. You know know what Isaac means then, don't you? It means laughter. And you know what happened? When that angel said to Abraham, your wife is going to have a baby at 92 years old, she laughed. It was so unbelievable, it was so contrary to commonality among humans that she just could not believe that. And the Bible said instead of yelling or screaming at somebody, that's not true, she just laughed out loud and the angel that listened to the laughter said we will name him Isaac which means laughter how would you like to be reminded every day of your life that you so foolishly doubted the promises of God birthing a child was a commonality Samson And Manoah, his wife, in Judges chapter 13, verse 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren, and hearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. You're barren, never had one before, but you're going to have one. Wow. Wow. That is so interesting to me that God knows about birthing and He knows about the beginning of our life. In fact, the Bible said, when you ye were yet substance in your mother's womb, I knew you. Are you kidding me? You mean before I was recognizable on the sonar, God knew me? You mean before I had shape and form... God knew me? Are you telling me that before that my heart ever was recognizable by the doctor that God knew me? Not only did he know you, he had a purpose for you. For he said to Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 1 and 5, he said, before you were substance in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained that you should be a prophet. You mean God knows so much about us that he has ordained a future for us? That God has a blueprint for our life? That God has a way for us to walk in? Samson was needed and God raised Samson up and he did it through what we would call an impossibility. When Elkanah and Hannah, the Bible said in Let's see, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. We preached about last Sunday that John the Baptist experience, didn't we? We talked about Zacharias who was asked to believe something impossible. And that he was struck dumb because he couldn't believe it and he said some things that he would probably wish he hadn't. So many times people don't fully conceive what God is doing and they say rash things because they don't have understanding. When God wills and purposes for a life to come I believe every life is amazing. I believe every life is miraculous. I believe that every every time that someone comes into the world, I believe that is a, a marvelous and a miraculous thing. But to be made of a woman and made under the law, that requires a lot of faith. You see, the fact alone is about his birth, and it is a miraculous birth. The fact alone makes his birth the only one of its kind. And the fact that Jesus clothed himself with humanity and lived and breathed and hurt and fell down and walked and got thirsty and had the whole human experience makes me know that God knows more about us. You see, in the Old Testament, during the time of Isaiah, a prophecy was given... That sheds even more light on this virgin birth. Isaiah 7 and 14. I therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. We all love signs don't we? But they're only a sign if they're adhered to. They mean nothing to people who don't respect signs. You know God is continually putting signs along our roadway. I preached a message one time, Randy, about guardrails. God puts guardrails all along this journey we call life. And everywhere there's a danger, He puts a guardrail up there. What does that guardrail say to you? Don't go any further this direction. Adjust your direction, adjust your walk, Don't do this. If you don't listen to this guardrail, it's here to keep you from doing something that's going to hurt you. But if you disregard it and just keep going, well, you get the idea, don't you? God puts a lot of guardrails. There are a lot of people that are guardrails. They help keep us from erring and going the wrong way they help us not to miss God. They help us not to do those stupid things that result in calamitous events in our life. Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. How can a virgin bear a son? A virgin can't have a baby. How can a virgin birth a son? We all know what it takes for life to be conceived. Where I went to school, it was a female and a male. That's the only reproductive thing I know. Now, if you can show me some other way, boy, you're getting quiet because you know what that next statement I'm going to get at. There is no bill and fill in the economy of life where God is concerned. God made us all, and he made us, the Bible said, and male and female made he them. Well, then how is it then that a male and a female was not involved in this? He said, I will show you a sign a virgin shall conceive. How can a virgin conceive? If she's never known a man, how shall she conceive and bear a son? According to the commentators, when that prophecy was given, the southern kingdom of Judah was under attack. A a king of Assyria had launched a a warfare against Israel and had already taken the northern kingdom. And all there was was the southern kingdom there. And Isaiah was a prophet in the southern kingdom to King Ahaz. And when King Ahaz asked for a sign, how will I know that everything's going to be all right? You, you're telling me, prophet of God, that the king of Assyria is not going to attack me. He's not going to come in and ravage this whole place and destroy everything that is here. How will I know? He said, here's the sign. A virgin shall conceive. The Hebrew word is Alma. A-L-M-A-H, Alman. That word appears nine times in the Old Testament. And eight of those times the word can only apply to a virgin or one who has always abstained from sexual intimacy. Besides Isaiah, the birth of this virgin-born child would be for a sign. Many women, even young women, have had... And continue to have babies. But a woman having a baby would not be a sign. But a virgin giving birth to a child would be a miraculous supernatural sign. A God sign. No one could doubt it. No one could say I don't believe it. Because God did it. Can you say God did it? God did it. That angel said God did it. That angel told Mary, God did it. The Holy Ghost will move upon you, will overshadow you, and thou shalt conceive and bear a child and call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. What a miraculous sign that was, that a virgin shall conceive. A virgin shall bear a son. That literally reads like this in Hebrew. Are you ready for this? The pregnant virgin shall bear a son. How can you be a pregnant virgin? I don't know any pregnant virgins. And you don't either. Because, as somebody said, there ain't one. (laughs) There's not one. There's no way you can be a pregnant virgin. And what this prophet is saying right here to this king is this is the sign. A virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son. Who do you think that was looking toward? Matthew one twenty one. call his name Jesus. That Greek word there is for virgin... The Greek word is the New Testament, language of the New Testament. The Hebrew is the language of the Old Testament. So the Hebrew is one word. The Greek word is parthenos. It always means a woman who has never known a man. It always refers to a woman who has never had intimate, physical action with a man. Never. According to the biblical narrative, after the visit with the angel, Joseph immediately goes to Mary and takes her as his wife. Now listen, back in those days in biblical times, an espousal period was just as important as the marriage covenant. And it seems strange to us because the more we see somebody, the more we love them. During the espousal period, they didn't see very much of one another. Yeah, And the espousal period usually lasted for a year. And during that year's time, they were supposed to work on whatever their differences were. They were to iron out and smooth out the problematical areas of their relationship so that after a year, they would know one another pretty good and what the faults and failures were in each one. You know, that makes more sense. Because a lot of folks walk down the aisle and say I do to somebody they don't know. But after a little while, of, <clears throat> they get to know them. And you hear them say, if I had known this, my mama told me it'd be like this. So during that time that... That woman is supposed to be true to that man, and that man is supposed to be true to that woman, even though it is an espousal time. And they come together and then have the marriage, and then they consummate the marriage. Wow. That's pretty, pretty unique, isn't it? Well, during this time when you're working on problems, Joseph had a big one. And his espoused wife, not wife, but espoused wife, informed him, I'm going to have a baby. And the Bible said, and he pondered those things in his heart. Let me tell you something, pal. I bet you that was more than just a pondering I bet he was a whole lot more upset than just pondering. Hey, that's grounds for annulment. And any woman that is found to be with child, with no husband, just an espoused one, then there's great shame and great reproach that's attached to that. I like this part, but Joseph. Now y'all love it when I do but God. I said y'all holler amen when I say but God. But Joseph. The angel had told him a scripture, had told him something that was going to come to pass and had told him how things are, how God's going to do this. And he pondered those things. And then here comes his espoused wife, and she says, I'm going to have a baby. You're going to have a what? I'm going to have a baby. Well, I just want to know one thing who's the daddy? Because he knew it wasn't him. And he knew how this thing of having babies works. And he wasn't a participant. But Joseph. But Joseph. The forgotten man of Christmas. But Joseph. Not desiring to make a public example of her put her away privately. He put her in a place and took care of her where she wouldn't be exposed to the shame and the critics and the snide remarks and the hateful opinions. He protected her from all of that. Wow. I tell you, the more I preach about him, the more I like him. Had a heart of gold. And not willing that he put the one he loved through that kind of remorse. He bore that remorse for her. In a, see, everybody knew he was the one that was espoused, the whole community knew that. And now then, he had to go out into the community and buy the food and get the drinking water and do all those things. And everybody knew the story and knew all about it. But instead of her having to bear the shame and reproach, he bore the shame and reproach. For God chose him to raise his son who would one day say to sinners, I'm going to bear the shame for you. And I'm going to stand in your place and I'm going to bear the iniquity. I'm going to bear the chastisement. I'm going to go through the cross and I'm going to go through all the experience of redemption and the redemptive provision so that you will not be exposed to that. I'm going to bear your sorrow. I'm going to bear your grief. I'm going to bear your chastisement. Lord of God. I'm going to bear that for you. Praise God. I like to think he probably learned some of that from the man God chose to raise him. Wow. Come on, Olivia. I'll say those magic words. Come on, Olivia. You heard me say it, didn't you? Luke 1 and 26 Through 38 tells us about the discussion between Mary and the angel. Joseph, like every other Jewish man, worked through the system, worked along with it, but then he was asked to do something by God, who an angel came and said, Don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, your espoused wife. And the Bible said, Mary being great with child. That's the only thing I've ever known with that description of anybody being great with child. Does that, what does that mean? The only thing I can conclude is she was about ready to have a baby. Now, do you know how far it is? I'll tell you this. Do you know how far it is from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Sixty miles. Have you seen that painting? We've got one in our house of Joseph leading the donkey and got Mary sitting on the donkey and they're on their way. I don't know you about you, but boy, that looks to me like a mighty hard way to go. If she's great with child, and I... If you're riding one of those Tennessee walking horses, that's one kind of thing. But if you're riding a donkey, donkeys don't have a smooth gait. Brother, it's up and down like this right here all the time. And can you imagine her being shaken all to pieces by that donkey? The days, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. To the shepherds, the angel said, this shall be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. God loves to do this sign stuff, doesn't He? And the shepherds, who had seen all the choir of heaven, can you believe heaven got together for a jubilee? Can you believe that all the angels of heaven began singing with that one angel when he made the gospel announcement? I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior. Not a Alexander the Great, not a Napoleon, not a Hitler, but a Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this is the sign. And the Bible said, and suddenly there was with that angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. And what were they saying? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace and goodwill to men. And the shepherds, the Bible said, let us go unto Bethlehem and see what that sign's all about. And the Bible said they went to Bethlehem and they saw the Savior. And the Bible said they re- returned to their fields marveling. I, I asked you last Sunday, if you're a marveler, they marveled at the things that were told them by the angel. And they returned glorifying God and praising God how wonderful the event was for them. So then let's boil that all down to today. Past the trees. Past the poinsettias. Past the lights. Past the gift wrapping. Past the I started to call it shopping. But it's a worse word than that. Hustle, bustle, beyond all of that, there is a Savior. There is a Savior. And He died for the sins of the whole world. And when all is said and done, Christmas is about God giving a gift to us. And that is the fact that His Son, Jesus, God gave His Son, and His Son gave His life. And for that, we're truly thankful today, aren't we? Stand with me, please. Father, I thank You in Jesus' name for this holiday season, and I thank You, God, that we still say Merry Christmas. And we still talk about Jesus and the birth of a Savior. That for us, we're going to gather at your house and we're going to celebrate your Lordship. And we're going to give praise and honor and glory. We're going to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. We're going to read your word. Read the account of the Christmas story the very first Christmas. God, we're going to do those things because that's what Christmas means to us. That's what doctrinally Christmas means. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. Keep us, God, from harm and danger this holiday season. For our people that travel, God, keep them safe and keep them, oh Lord, from harm and bless them. And Lord, I pray that around the Christmas dinner, that family members will remember that Christ is the Lord of Christmas and He's the Savior of the world. Through Jesus, the Master of the art of living and our Savior. Amen and amen.